The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this week's edition of Bench with Bubba, let me talk to you about Draft. Draft Draft.com is one of the coolest new ways to play fantasy sports. You get to draft against you know, three, five, ten-man competitions. There's new drafts starting every five minutes. Your chances of winning on draft are over 80% better than on salary cap sites. That's why you need to try draft. No more getting crushed by the pros. More than one million people have already downloaded draft. You can play in real life NBA, NFL. They have NHL. PGA is a great one. They have MLB. They have them all. And it keeps getting better, better, and better. Drafts usually finish in under five minutes. You get paid the next day. The event finishes, but they're fi- and they're filling fast. Every second, drafts are filling. They have them up until your game. Games begin. All new players get a free entry into a real money draft when you make your first deposit, and you have to use the promo code SD Sports. All one word, SD Sports. That's right. Playing a real money draft for free by using the promo code SD Sports. But it gets even better. Draft is so sure you'll love it that they're even offering a money back guarantee up to $100. Just search Draft in your app store or go to Draft.com and come play for free right now with promo code SD Sports. Void or prohibited, must be 18 or older. See website for details. Offer must be redeemed within 14 days. Now to this week's edition of Benched with Bubba. back everybody to another edition of bench with bubba episode 73 tonight joined by a member that uh or a guest that we've had a few times i don't want to see his member he is just a guest let's be clear about this but um Are you sure? <laughs> oh, maybe later um but uh listen to his awesome fantasy baseball podcast the nasty cast you can find him on fantrex dynasty podcast he's on fantrex writing material there writing for Razball this year Tons of love, plus he's got a witty sense of humor. Nathan Dawkin, how we doing, man? Hey, oh, if you want to also see my member, just give me a DM on Twitter, baby. Yeah, at Nathan Dawkin. There you go. <laughs> Check it all out right there. I'll spice up your Sunday. 
Yeah, Sunday, Sunday at a whole new level. <laughs> um, wow, I love how this is already starting off. This is good times yep, right this here. this is going to be a good episode. <laughs> <laughs> this is already starting out with a bang. All right. Well, we're going to go from members to steaming piles when we talk about our uh, acquisition section of the podcast, recent MLB uh, signings and trades. And, you know, Nate, as you know, doing your podcast, there hasn't been a whole lot going on this uh, offseason, but – you, by far, have the biggest list of people to talk about this week. And I'm just going to slump three of them together real quick. Andrew Castro to the Orioles, Jason Vargas to the Mets, Jaime Garcia to the Jays. Talk to me. Uh, mostly gross, uh, which is why I suppose we're going to be sort of blowing by, blowing by these guys. Andrew Kashner is, I mean, this is just about as bad a landing spot as you can imagine for him going to a, a huge hitter's park. He's an extreme fly ball pitcher. He's going to allow many, many home runs to stay far away. Jason Vargas, probably not as bad. Um, he would at least be worthy of a look in NL only formats as far as I'm concerned. Um, but with, with both of these guys, I would probably rather just roster a high strikeout middle reliever than even try to chase wins with either of these guys. Um, and then Jaime Garcia, you know, 2017, it was only the second time in his career he made at least 30 starts. So, you know, you can't really even expect a full season from him, especially now that he's 31. And now he moves to the AL East. That's no picnic either. So um, I think, again, with him, that's just uh, only league stuff for your AL only league. So might be worthy of a stream against like a cupcake team here and there. But otherwise, I really have no interest in any of these guys. Yeah, I completely agree. Jason Vargas, kind of relevant in, you know, good pitcher's ballpark, but not as good as it used to be. Jaime Garcia just terrifies me in Toronto against some of those righty-heavy lineups like the Yankees, per se. That could just have a nice field day with him. But, yeah, terrifying stuff there. Let's move on to some uh, – maybe a couple better moves here. Eduardo Nunez returns to the Boston Red Sox. They signed him to a, a one-year deal with a player's option, so it could be a two-year deal – Guy plays everywhere, and Pedroia's going to be out to start the year. He can run when healthy. Uh, a lot of interesting things about this move. Uh, how do you think it impacts fantasy? I actually think this hurts his value quite a bit um, because he's really only going to have a starting job as long as Dustin Pedroia is out. And by all reports, that might not be very long. He's uh, saying he's going to try to be ready by opening day, even if he's not. I mean, if he's going to miss, even if the first month, say, Pedroia is out, then you're getting one month of solid at-bats from Nunez. And yeah, they're going to try and slide him around and find a-bats for him here and there. But if you're in a 10-12 team mixer, I don't know if he's going to get enough playing time to really be worthy of a spot there. And the only thing that he's really giving you anything in is the stolen base category. And if those are you know, turning into like Gerard Dyson type of steals and sporadic playing time, then I just am not interested anymore. So I would expect uh, or at least hope that his ADP will tumble with this one. And I was actually in preparation for the show. I knew we were going to talk about the signing. And so I was over at Fantrax looking at the ADP there. And he right now is going at 137 overall, which is just way, way, way too high now that he's back with the Red Sox. Um, and I was trying to figure out how far I would dump him, and it would probably be 100 spots, if not more. Like if you look at Aaron Hicks at 240, I'd rather have him. Jorge Polanco, we'll be talking about him a little bit later. He's at 256. I'd rather have him. Um, I think, honestly, you're getting to around pick 300, like around Albert Pujols, before I have any interest uh, in Nunez at all. Maybe that's a little too harsh even, but um, I, I just uh, I want somebody, at least at the start of the season, where I can expect full-time at-bats from you know, for, for the entire season, assuming health. Yeah. 
Well, that, that's a valid point because it, it depends on how long Pedroia is out, and then you're just praying that he plays hopefully five games a week as a utility role, which who knows how that's going to work now. Say they don't sign J.D. Martinez, eh, he might get a little more run in the outfield, but it, it, you're asking for a lot, like you're saying. So he could, yeah. Really yeah, and that is one nice part about him that, you know, is especially in deeper leagues, is the positional flexibility because he played all over the place last year. So you can move him around wherever you want. So that's going to be a lot more handy in daily leagues. But, uh, yeah. yeah, weekly leagues, you're going to be kind of at the whims of playing time there. No doubt about it. Uh, let's move on to the San Francisco Giants. They signed Tony Watson, uh, former Pittsburgh Pirate, traded to the Dodgers last year. Once closed, was okay, but he's been much better as a setup man in his career. Um, what do you think this means? I know if you're in saves whole league, it might have more impact than saves only. Right, yeah. Um, I, I think that even even with you know sort of the crappy year that Melanson had last year, if you're worried about health again, I'm not even sure that Watson is the handcuff. I think it would still be Sam Dyson. He was at least okay down the stretch after he got to the Giants. They, like, quasi fixed him i guess they uh told him to throw his cutter more and if you go and, and look at when he was traded from texas in june his cutter percentage went from six percent in may up to 34 percent in june uh, but even with that he still had a 456 era over the second half and his strikeouts per nine was just 5.26 so you're not looking at a ton of value there um and you know watson i'm not sure that he's necessarily much better he had a bit of a down year himself uh, but I would still, you know, and you're really in tune with the Giants, so I don't know if you've heard any rumblings yet as far as who the handcuff might be, uh, but I'm really, at this point, I am not too interested in Tony Watson, even as a handcuff. No, like I, I'd use the saves hold, hoping to get some holds. Um, I know they put in his deal, he's got, I think, $2.5 to $3 million incentive for a certain number of finishes uh, of games, so saves. So they have that in there, but I agree. Sam Dyson did look really good when he came over. And a lot of that could be due to that cutter you mentioned. I see Watson more as that lefty reliever they need, so they don't have to rely on Okert and Osik, who are not good. And uh, Will Smith's <laughs> going to be out for a while, so he, he gives them that lefty, that the old um, Javier Lopez, Jeremy Affelt type they used to have, which in the heyday, or I guess earlier this decade, was what they really thrived on. And maybe pairing him back up with Melanson, like in uh, Pittsburgh, will bring back uh, some of that good juju. But uh, let's talk about your Minnesota Twins. We're going to talk a lot more about them in a bit. Woo. But uh, last night, you guys got one. I think you need maybe one more starter. But if not, this is still a very, very good. Well, I don't know if very, very good is the right word. But you made a move. Jake Rizzi. <laughs> you acquired Jake Rizzi from the Rays. Talk to me about how he plays in with the Twins and his fantasy value this year. Yeah, it's exactly uh, what the Twins needed is a little bit of stability in that rotation. They've still got way too many fours and fives with a high probability of flameouts, but um, Odorizzi should be at least average. You know, he had a lot of issues last year, but he showed showed a lot of promise, and he's a pretty cheap acquisition. Um, and it was interesting. I'll, I'll quote the great Parker Hageman uh, from Twitter. He's at Parker Hageman. I thought this was interesting. Um, Odorizzi, since 2014 against the AL East, has started 60 games, uh, 19 and 19 with a 425 ERA, and then versus everyone else, exactly 60 games as well. He went 21 and 17 with a 336 ERA. And this is going to be a nice move for him getting out of the AL East. Uh, it's a pretty down division right now as far as the you know, the AL Central goes, 
Um, it's it's interesting. I'm not necessarily surprised that the Twins ended up with Odorizzi when you consider that um, earlier this, I believe it was just this offseason, the Twins actually took uh, Josh Kalk from the Rays, who is in their front office. He was their director of pitching uh, research and development. And so he knows a lot of those guys in that rotation, obviously, very, very well. And so I want to imagine that he had a pretty big say in it. And that, that gives me a certain level of confidence that, you know, this guy is already very familiar with Odorizzi. So there's you know, probably no secret red flags that we don't really know about. Um, and so it's, I, I think, a slight move plus for his fantasy value. I've never actually been a, an older easy guy in fantasy. I've always considered him more of a, you know, a better real-life pitcher than a fantasy pitcher. Um, but, you know, if, if you're one of those types, you like uh, sort of middling strikeout rates. And, you know, he's, he's just a back-end guy. So um, if you want to take a flyer on him, yeah, you know, nothing against you, but I've honestly, I don't think I've ever owned Jake uh, Jake easy in my life. No, I understand completely. I, I think I've had him a few times, maybe as a streamer, more so DFS landscape than full season because he doesn't really give you a ton, like you're saying. But uh, the move should definitely help him. When you're talking about um, Mr. Cock, the guy that used to work for the Rays, maybe that must make sense why they were they were pretty heavy on Alex Cobb, it seemed like, for a while. And now they uh, they did land Odorizzi. Odorizzi is the 77th starting pitcher off the board on Fantrax ADP, 265 overall. So I think that leaves a little bit of, of values around Tyler Chatwood, uh, Felix Hernandez realm of things. So that's not too bad. Yeah, and it's, um, it might you know they they've are also been involved in a lot of trade discussions for Archer, Chris Archer. But I with this I doubt that that comes to fruition now. But that might be also the reason that the Twins haven't signed an Alex Cobb yet. True. Yeah, you give up a, a low-level shortstop to make this work. It could really, really be a smart move for them in the long run. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, I mean, shout out to our buddy Yance Eaton, the poor guy. Uh, yeah, we were going to get to that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't want to jump the gun, but yeah, yeah man, yeah. I think the first time I've ever, as a Twins fan, said that this trade is just highway robbery. I don't know why yeah. the Rays did this for such a low-level prospect. It just does not. They're just completely gutting that team at all costs right now. And at least for me personally, as a Twins fan, I get to sort of reap the rewards. Yeah, that's how I felt when they traded Longo to the Giants. Like in a, in a messaging with Yancey privately, it was he wasn't very fun to talk to at the time because I felt like someone <laughs> lost their dog. It was yeah. I, I, I was trying to say everything nice and. We love Yancey. For those that don't know by now, you should. But um, it was very depressing. And then I, I get out of watching Black Panther and having dinner with my wife last night, and Twitter's blowing up because this move happened. And I see Yancey's timeline, and I thought he was – I could see the tears through his tweets. Oh, it was no. not, not good. So thinking above you, buddy. But that leads me to my next point. They did acquire C.J. Cron from the Angels. They did let <laughs> Yancey's love and – love of life, Corey Dickerson, a.k.a. C. Dick, C. Dick Dong, leave. Um, That I don't want to get into because that just baffles me for many reasons. But does C.J. Cron uh, get your attention at all, maybe late round corner infielder, AL only type deal? Yeah, yeah, he does. Um, You know, I I think, and I tweeted this out too, that I I think that even in like a mixed league, in a 15-team mixed league as a corner infielder, uh, perhaps it puts him on the map at least. I don't know if it's enough, depending on his price. Uh, I, I imagine he'll go cheap enough. I guess I haven't looked up his ADP, but I think he'll be cheap enough to warrant at least uh, at least a bench spot there. He's been below average against lefties for his whole career. Last year he was a little better, but that was pretty limited exposure. So 
the Rays could conceivably platoon him if they wanted, but they don't really have anybody left to do that with. So I'm not sure that they're going to. Uh, now that C. Dick is gone, that's yeah. it's sad. I just don't know. Yeah, that that move is just inexplicable to me. I don't get it. Yeah, C. Dick Rome's going 400th overall right now on fan track. So extreme go, value. Expect expect that to go up a bit, but still, yeah, it's not gonna go crazy. Um, but yeah, I could go on this diatribe about the the Rays right about now. They're competing with the Marlins. The way I look at things, yeah, I don't get it. Don't get it at all. But um, let's talk the last big move. He waited. He got his eighth year, which another just what are baseball teams doing these days? But Eric Hosmer gets an eight-year deal with the San Diego Padres, good up-and-coming system, and they now have Eric Padre, or Eric Hosmer as their pride and joy. What is his impact in Petco, given Kaufman isn't a great hitter's part either? Yeah, I actually think this might be a slight upgrade just because Kaufman is, is such uh, – so hard to hit a home run there. And Petco, ever since – I mean, this has been for a few years now, right? They installed the scoreboard in center field. It's kind of changed the, the wind tunnel that they've had in there. And so it's played more neutral than extreme pitcher's park like it was in the years before that. And some people still haven't adjusted from that. So I, I wouldn't think that it would impact his numbers really very much at all. Um, I actually think that as far as runs in RBI go over the next couple of years – the Royals lineup is going to be just brutal and the Padres are at least they have an upward trajectory. They've got a lot of pieces that are coming up through the minors. And so overall, I would give it uh, him actually a slight uh, uptick in fantasy production, but really I wouldn't expect anything too differently from what he's been doing for the last two, three years. Yeah. And that's the best point is people are trying to bury this or bury that. But in reality, he should be about the same, maybe a little better. If he ever figures out how to, how to not just beat the ball into the ground like 60% of the time. I know I'm just I'm overestimating there, but I'm just saying all he does is hit ground balls, it seems like. No, 60% more... isn't even an overestimation. I think that's pretty accurate, actually. Well, see, I, was, I knew it was a high number, so I was just throwing – I didn't want to go crazy with it, but it, it was wild the amount of times he's the ball on the ground, which tells you, you know, he's hitting 20-plus homers and he's not elevating that much. So if he could work on that a bit, it could be a really good move there because the ball has started to fly a little better out of San Diego in recent years. And um, as that team continues to bring these prospects up, they could be interesting. I saw, uh, I think it was Suspendus Family Barbecue actually tweeted out uh, the projected starting lineup this year. It's not bad. Like for a bunch of youngsters, not bad at all. So it'll be interesting to see how that works. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I did just look it up. Yeah, 2016, 59% ground balls. 2017, 56% ground balls. So, yeah, Jesus, you, you were not wrong. Off. No, not That's at all. That's terrifying. So, yeah, yeah, if he did decide to buy into the launch angle revolution, which I don't know if he will at this point, but if he does, you know, maybe he could yank quite a few more homers. But it's been working for him to this point, so I'm not really expecting him to necessarily change his approach. All right, S- side note, because you mentioned the launch angle deal, and I know you like some of the work you're doing at Fantrax and your other productions, you're doing some different um, – like advanced analytics and stuff like that. And I don't think you're going too far into the stat cast world, but did you see the tweet by Mark Tompkins of the Tampa Bay times of the Rays putting up fences for batting practice to get them over the fences in the infield? Yeah. That's amazing. I love I it. I did see that. Absolutely yeah. Love it. Yeah. Obviously it's catching on. <laughs> yeah. JD Martinez and Justin Turner. I mean, you see these veteran guys have all this success and, you know, obviously the, the, the slug is where the, um, you know where the money's at nowadays. Doesn't remember? Uh, remember, Dawkins. Chicks dig the long ball. They do indeed. They do indeed. What more? What more do you need to say? 
If people haven't seen Greg Maddox and Tom Glavin hit off the tee and say Chicks did the long ball, you never lived. Just go check it out. Um, <laughs> twins talk, baby. Let's talk Minnesota Twins. Yeah. Um, you guys had a rather darn good year last year. I think when we talked last year, you weren't that optimistic about things. I know you were like down in the well, dumps. I, <laughs> I know after a hundred yeah, plus they, lost, well, they season, lost 103 games. Yeah. But last year, wild card game, things are looking up. Let's start with a starting pitcher that everybody loves, but it just seems he doesn't quite figure it out enough yet. Still extremely young. Jose Barrios, where are we going with this kid? Is he finally going to be the guy we want him to be? Oh, I hope so. Uh, <laughs> he admitted that he sort of uh, ran out of juice down the stretch. Um, you know, only made 25 starts. Uh, they definitely skipped him a lot at the end of the season because they knew that he was just pretty much toast. And that's, you know, that's to be expected. He's a young pitcher, just 23 years old. And I think he can make another step forward this year. His his command, you know, we were talking about um, the signing of Jason Castro about this time last year, and I was interested to see how that would uh, impact this rotation. And I think you saw it the Tremendous. first and foremost with Jose Barrios is his uh, his walks really ticked up and um, his overall sequencing was a lot better and he just uh, seemed a lot more confident. And he looked like a, like a different pitcher watching him uh, from his debut in 2016. It was just a complete disaster. And so I think that he can continue to do pretty much what he did last year. Hopefully it's over the course of 32 starts instead of just 25. Uh, but I, I think that, you know, the number one on paper would, would have been, should have been uh, Irvin Santana before he went down with injury. But probably fantasy-wise, the number one pitcher is going to be Jose Barrios this year. Yeah, he, he still had a 22.6% K rate, and his walk rate was down to 7.8. I remember that was one thing we talked about. His control was a massive concern at times. Less than a home run per nine. There was a lot to like about him. His ERA of 3.89. So, you know, if he could duplicate that, if, if at worst, not increase a little bit of that, you said 26 or 26 games, 25 starts, go get his 30-plus starts. This kid, this kid could be really, really valuable, definitely. Um Let's talk about Kyle Gibson, former like top prospect or high draft pick, I should say, from the Minnesota Twins system. And everyone wondered if they're just going to finally get rid of him or if he'd figure it out. He figured it out at the end of last season. Is this something that can carry over that's worth drafting him on? Because it depends. You're either on, you're either on the yes or the no side of the fence with Kyle Gibson at this moment in time. <laughs> yeah, I guess I would have to go with no in that case. There's there's a little bit to go on. I was looking at his his splits from last year and his first half ERA like he was good old Kyle Gibson 6.31 ERA yeah. in the first half, and then the second half was down to 3.76, which is actually enough to tickle your fancy and get you on that uh, mixed league radar. And his strikeout minus walk percentage went from 3.5 percent in the first half to 15.1 percent in the second half, and there was about a 20 point BABIP drop too. Um, and hard contact it fell from 39 percent to 32 percent. So there, there's definitely, you know, a much, much better second half. But as far as like the real differences in what he did, as far as I can tell, the only thing he really did differently is uh, use his four seam usage. Uh, four seam usage just about doubled, so he used that a lot more. He uh, cut out the the sinkers a little bit, and he started to pound the zone a bit more. I don't know if that necessarily warrants me believing in such a steep contrast in production. So I'm probably going to sort of split the difference and say that he's like a four or five ERA pitcher, like four and a half, not five, you know, somewhere, somewhere in there. Cause you're still not getting a ton of strikeouts with him. 
Um, so really, I'm probably just avoiding him. I've seen too much Kyle Gibson over the years. Just too much ugly Kyle Gibson. I can't buy in, man. Yeah, it was a train wreck for a few years. There's no doubt about that. He's going 452 overall right now. You got Matt Andrees and Ian Kennedy are a couple of guys going right before him. Okay. Guys like Josh well, Tomlin, Peyton Richard, all just yeah. Well, I actually kind of like uh, Clayton Richard, but yeah, of those guys, I think I would get, kick the tires on some Kyle Gibson. Yeah, that's the thing is he he's still like I think there's enough people on the no side of the fence right now. It's not affecting his overall value there's a bunch of prospects going in front of them for crying out loud so okay. yeah you're talking yeah. about really really leagues there so yeah at yeah. that point i would be willing to buy in on kyle gibson we're talking about the great fantasy baseball invitational mr nathan Dawkins. oh your closing situation uh you know the legend finally retired i know he didn't pitch any lunch last year he retired but you got fernando throw my bow and arrow in the air rodney <laughs> And you have Addison Reed, who I think is one of the best signings of all relief pitchers this offseason. I think you got him for a steal, personally. Um, I thought he was going to be a closer somewhere, and he still might be eventually. How do you approach the closing situation in Minnesota? Yeah, I was really surprised that Reed didn't get a job closing somewhere. I'm, I'm with you. I think that was a terrific signing. And it gives the Twins a backup just in case, um, you know, oh, good old Fernando is – finally toast was he 41 years old i think so that's what the u.s certificate says yeah who knows he might be even <laughs> older than that so it's as easy as ever to worry about him just completely falling off a cliff and so this gives the twins a really nice fallback option just in case that does happen um, so i would say right now i haven't really dug through my entire list of closers and handcuffs but if if he's not number one addison reed would be darn close to that as far as my handcuffs um but i would as far as just drafting them i would rather just take rodney and hope that he holds on to the job all year i do like those really really cheap saves and uh if he's terrible then uh, you just bench him or cut him well yeah it's like you said he's a cheap save store so you get him so late you can cut him or people forget he was actually everybody wanted his you know head in a noose and, and out of the role in arizona they stuck with him. He had a really good second half of the season. So incredible. Rodney, Rodney can get things done. He's in a really good ballpark to pitch in. So those long five balls that make your butt pucker, they'll stay in the park. It's <laughs> you might be okay. I'm. It, he's fun to watch. I'll tell you that much, Nate. Enjoy it. Get a get a towel so you can wipe the sweat off at night. Oh, I don't uh, think I'll enjoy any of it. But it's a good thing that they have Byron Buxton out there, you know, yeah. tracking down all those fly balls. Yeah. Let's talk uh, some of your bats here, Miguel Sano. We know they're. Could be some punishments doled out. I kind of went quiet for a while unless you're hearing stuff in Minnesota. It's not really on the national radar anymore. But he had a really, really good first half. I know me and you were huge on him last year, and we were both dancing in circles. And then he got banged up a bit, and he never really bounced back in the second half. Are we looking at a big year from Sano, or are we kind of still wondering what is to be? Yeah, last year this time I was so excited for Sano, and this year I, I could be – I could not be more tepid about him. I don't know if I'm going to end up with him on any of my teams. He got, he, he still put up the same strikeout rate as he did the year before. He's over 35%. I was really, really hoping that he would be able to improve on that a little bit. He still just crushes the ball. So 20, 28 homers last year. And, you know, he's, he's always going to be an above average BABIP guy just because he hits the ball so hard. But, um, God, with with all these off the field allegations, I don't know if there's going to be any kind of suspension. I haven't heard anything else since it initially came out. I don't know if I'd necessarily expect anything, just because 
um, you know, these things tend to take forever. So it might not happen until next season if there is a suspension at all, depending on what they find out. Um, but man, there's just more risk here than ever. He's coming off off season surgery to put that uh, a rod in his lower left leg because that just he really just never recuperated from that at the end of last year. And so hopefully the surgery makes him stronger and he's uh, you know better overall. But I have so many questions now about his makeup. There was you know uh, two years I think it was back in 2016. The Twins also sort of questioned his dedication. His um, you know, commitment to the team. The, there was even talk of demoting him back to AAA because he wasn't working hard enough. And so now this sexual harassment stuff comes out. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know if he's really got the makeup to improve as much as I initially thought that he would. Uh, he's certainly a, a, a boomer bust pick. So if you're at the stage, I think we said this last year too, if you're at the stage of your draft where you can take on some risk just in case he does lower his strikeout rate below 30% and then he can you know, turn into a Joey Gallo type and actually hit 40 plus home runs if he stays healthy. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I would rather just wait until the later rounds and get one of those actual Joey Gallo types than yeah. uh, spend the pick on Sano where he's going much, much earlier in drafts. Yeah, definitely. I'm with you there. He goes going about 98 right now. And there's a lot of other things I like around that 98th point in most drafts right now. So yeah, that's just too well, we're going to go, He's very bad. We're going to go deeper into shortstops later, but I do want to talk about your shortstop right now, Jorge Polanco, who really turned it on the last month, month and a half of the season. And he's going about 258 right now in drafts, which to me seems like a steal unless you're not buying into that that whole run there. What are you thinking on Polanco? Is he going to keep it up or what do you got? Yeah, I liked him last year. I like him again this year. Uh, he, his first half was so bad last year that it has kind of kept his stock low enough to where I, I like his ADP again is if you look at his splits from last year, his first half OPS was 596. And then the second half was 870. He finally started to like, if you watched a lot of twins games, like I did last year, you could just see uh, a difference in him at the plate. The, he was kind of getting babbipped to death in the first half, to be honest. And in the second half, those balls started to drop where they were supposed to, and, uh, you know, he was stealing bases like he was supposed to. And uh, God, I still remember one game he homered from both sides of the plate. It was just freaking awesome. So he was on fire. I don't think that he'll repeat at 870 OPS, but I do think that um, you're looking at a guy who can give you 15 homers and 15 steals, uh, you know, with a pretty good batting average. If he, He's been getting last year he put the ball in the air maybe even a little bit too much because he doesn't have a ton of power. So he would probably benefit from a little bit less of a launch angle. So if he could just spray some more line drives, he could push a 300 batting average, but I would expect something upwards of 275, 280 pretty easily. And, uh, you know, if he's hitting like that, then he could find the top of the lineup, you know, hitting first or second, that'll end up with a lot of runs scored. So I like Jorge Polanco. He's going very cheap, like you said. So I think I'll end up with him on quite a few teams this year. I like that. Uh, Quick talk about your outfield. You got Eddie Rosario, Byron Buxton, and Mr. Kepler. All really good, really young outfielders. Had nice seasons last year. Buxton's the big name everyone talks about. But I think Rosario and Kepler especially get kind of overlooked. How, like, Briefly, how do you break down your uh, your, your outfield? Yeah, I, Kepler, I'm a little more uh, tepid on just because he has been just terrible against left-handed pitchers. And so I... I think I would rather be interested in like a Rosario and I actually like the price that Eddie Rosario is going at right now. And if you look into his, his numbers from last year, he made a lot of improvements and this guy is just 26 years old. So this is, you know, the time 
when you need him to sort of put up or shut up. And he really did improve last year. Um, we hit 27 home runs, stole nine bags, and he cut down his strikeout rate quite a bit too, uh, from 25.7% in 2016 to just 18% last year. And he, so he improved. He didn't you know, swing at so many crappy pitches outside of the zone, improved his contact and hit for more hard contact than ever. So there are some like honest changes in here that I believe in. And I think that he'll carry over into this year. And so you get a little speed with him. Should get some uh, some pretty good power, and you know the lineup overall is very good. If I'm not mistaken, they were a top five uh, run scoring lineup last year, and so even if he doesn't hit you know 290, if he hits uh, 275, 280 somewhere in there, that'll be just fine. You know that's uh, well above average at this point, um, given all the strikeouts that are across the league. And so I like him. And Byron Buxton, man, uh, <laughs> hot topic again this year. Yep. Uh, a lot of heated debates I've seen across Twitter uh, regarding him, but I I am willing to invest in him this year. Last year, man, they were, they were still screwing with him so much with his leg kick and his swing mechanics and everything. Um, it was a very tumultuous year, and I don't necessarily believe that he'll be as good as he was in the second half, but... I mean, even Stever, Steamer, Stever. I don't know Steamer. what that would be, but <laughs> Steve Urkel. Oh, Steamer. Yeah, but uh, Steamer rather. Like I was just uh, writing up the Twins preview earlier for Rasball, and I was looking at their projection for him, and they have him hitting 20 home runs and stealing 21 bases. And Steamer is, you know, really, really conservative. So even if he doesn't hit for a great batting average, which I don't think he will, I think he'll strike out more than we have always sort of wanted him to. I wouldn't be surprised if throughout his career he's a 25 to 27% strikeout guy. So I don't know if the average will be great, but I think that um, you know the the wheels that he's got are, is going to be able to keep his average above the 250 range where it really starts to hurt you. And you know there, there's a lot of power speed there to be had. And he only got caught stealing one time last year. He was really, really efficient. I think a lot of those were in a row, too. I want to say it was like 24, 25 steals in yeah. a row. And I think he can be even more aggressive this year. I think he'll get on base even more this year. So I, I could see him pushing 40 steals. I saw a 20-40 season. Honestly, it's not out of the realm of, uh, of possibilities. And so I, I think that where he's going in drafts, there's a pretty, a pretty decent floor and then a lot of upside as well. Oh, I like that a lot. Uh, last guy I'm going to ask you about. Going into his age 31 season, he didn't get traded last year as everyone thought he would. He had another great season, 34 home runs, still stole 16 bases. And I believe a lot of that happened before he hurt his ankle. Um, you know, he hit 271, which is outstanding for me when it comes to Brian Dozier. He's the second second baseman off the board, going about pick 35 overall. Are we looking for the same things, or is there anything pointing to a regression with Dozier? Not really. I uh, pretty much believe in what he did last year. Um, you know, he's, I guess I, I would say that as far as the batting average goes, I've been pretty surprised if you look at his last two years, 268 and 271, I wouldn't, I still wouldn't be surprised if he hit closer to like 250, you know, so you're giving up some, uh, some average there, but he always does walk at an above average rate. And so if you're in a, a OBP league, which is primarily what I play in at this point, then that doesn't hurt you so bad. And that power speed combination is one of the more rare ones that you'll find, you know, especially at second base and uh, the run scored too. Sammy Reed, when he was on the nasty cast, he pointed this out as a terrific stat that he's the only player in baseball who has scored over a hundred runs in each of the last four years. I like that a lot. And, you know, yeah, so steamers got him at uh, 97. So right there, it's hard for anybody to go ahead and (laughs) pencil you in for over a hundred runs. So I respect even a mark of 97. Like even if he doesn't 
hit the century mark again, you know you're going to get a lot of runs. You know he's going to get on base. He's pretty much an iron man. He's very rarely missed a game. Um, so I have no hesitation investing in Brian Dozier again this year and expecting similar numbers to what he's put up the last couple of years. I love it. I love it. We take this brief break from Bench with Bubba to talk to you about RotoWare. It's one of the best quality shirts in the industry. When I mean industry, all the clothing industry, the fantasy sports industry, because people are rocking it. They're loving it. You're seeing it in a lot of big outlets now. The no other brand can compete with RotoWare in terms of quality. They're premium blend fabric, super soft, comfortable, athletic fit shirts. They specialize with a special, special printing process. The design is part of the shirt. Literally, it is, it is dyed and bleached into the fabric no thick ink there's over 30 different designs right now it's just crazy all the stuff they have coming out and there's more and more stuff every time you turn your head they have fantasy football baseball hockey basketball some really cool dfs ones but everything's great they have men's women's and kids check them all out go to rotoware.com r-o-t-o-w-e-a-r.com check them out on twitter instagram and facebook at rotoware but the cool part guys if you use the promo code DEGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, you get 20% off your order. Again, promo code DEGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S. Check their site out. Check them Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. They're always giving away free shirts. And then when you go to purchase the ones you want for you, your loved ones, your friends, your family, whatever, use promo code DEGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, for 20% off your order. Now back to this week's episode of Bench with Bubba. All right, let's get into our shortstop breakdown. Uh, pretty intriguing position this year. It's kind of, you know, you look at the ADPs and everything, and they kind of space them out. It's like almost one's going around, which we didn't talk about much back in the days when it came to shortstop. So we had some really good players here. We're going to kind of go through, you know, groupings of 10 or so and just kind of talk back and forth a little bit, and then we'll get some sleepers at the end and whatnot. But when we kick things off at shortstop, uh, you got, you know, Trey Turner, Carlos Correa, Lindor, Corey Seager, Andres, Gene Segura, Bogarts, Didi, Trevor Story and Paul DeYoung are your top 10 ADP shortstops right now. And it kind of, you know, there's a separation of the pack there after about, I'd say, Seager, after the top four. It kind of separates. How are you viewing, um, they say the top four, Trey Turner, Correa, Lindor, and Seager? Boy, I love Trey Turner. I, his ADP is eight overall. I think I would take him even higher than that um, with this. Let me, with stop, this let me stop here real quick then. Okay. I had, I had a debate on my last podcast. We were debating in, um, if you had the third pick, and you, or the second pick, you had to choose between Jose Altuve and Trey Turner. And if you look at Steamer's projections, they're almost the same, except Altuve's got a little higher average, I think more RBIs. But the stolen bases Turner has over Altuve are tremendous. Does that even wrinkle your fancy at all? No. Uh, not, not if you're going up that high. I'm still going to take Altuve just because he's got the track record and he's got the power as well. And he's going to have the RBIs too. Whereas Trey Turner, I think you're, you're taking a hit there with a leadoff guy. Um, so even though you might get double, literally double or more of the steals with Trey Turner, and that is huge. I get that. But um, with the track record and the all around consistency with Altuve, uh, I got to go there, but it's not, long after that man where i'm going for trey turner like i would i would take turner over goldschmidt now at this point with uh with the news of the humidor going in arizona i don't know about you no yeah i i'm big on trey turner this year i think he's my number i'd probably say my third guy off the board i had no problem with trey turner after you know the trout now two bays of the world uh i think what he brings to the table is big we didn't see a full season with him because of a health you know issue which sucks obviously but 
if you look at this, the steamer projections are even close to what you're going to get. You're going to get tremendous value with uh, Trey Turner. And I do put him over Goldie. Goldie's still going to be great. And I people is completely downgrading the D-backs. Some players, yes. But when it comes to Goldie, he's still going to be fine. But he's more of a later first-round pick for me now. Uh, how do his, you you know, his his yeah. deals have dropped off a little bit, too. Um, you know, so as so elite as he is all around. Was that? Yeah. He's been getting banged up a lot. He's been having ankle issues. Yeah. So. Yeah, and you know, Turner uh, is starting to wear that big fancy glove too, so hopefully he doesn't break a finger again. <laughs> yeah, just don't dive. Just remember you're more important on the bases for us. <laughs> um, Carlos Correa, to me, kind of speaks for himself, but I want to get to Lindor and Seager, you're the three and four ADP guys right now. Lindor took a gigantic leap forward in the power department last year. He's already come in to camp wearing cutoff sleeves and just guns out. Your son's out, guns out when it comes to Francisco Lindor. Corey Seager can't stay healthy, but when he's healthy, he's outstanding. How do you put those two together? Oh, yeah. I'm going Lindor all the way. I love the power speed combo that you get. I mean, he had a 275 Babbitt last year now that I'm looking at it. Uh, That is just crazy low. I know that he. You know, he did the launch angle thing. Uh, he started hitting a lot more fly balls. And so fly balls is one thing that's going to definitely kill your BABIP. But uh, up to his hard contact, 8%. Uh, I, I think that you can see, especially with the wheels that he's got, that BABIP climb back over 300. Wouldn't be surprised if it was more at, uh, you know, 315, 320, closer to what you saw in 2016. And so that's going to push his value way up. He's going to be closer to a 300 hitter again. I think you can still see another 15 to 20 stolen bases. Maybe the power comes down a little bit, uh, but still, if you're looking at like a you know 25 to 30 home run guy with 25 or uh, 15 to 20 uh, steals and the power, like that's just a five category production. I think it's actually uh, where he's going in drafts. I think it's a, a relative steal, and so I'm going with him all the way. Yeah, I love Lindor. Um, you look at uh, Elvis Andrews; he's going the fifth off the board right now. And he's one of those guys that many are saying there's no way this is, you know, the power was a fluke, so on and so forth. Are you buying into what Anders did last year with 20 homers, 88 RBIs, still had 25 steals, hit 297, scored 100 runs? What are you thinking of Elvis Anders? Because you can get him around pick 65 right now. Yeah, I'm going to be avoiding him, I think, at that ADP. Uh, you know, at least he's not hitting lower in the order where he was because I've kind of been anti Andrews for uh, a couple years now just because like he's a six seven hitter you know what do you expect from him? Uh, the, the one thing that you know you're going to get is the steals right that's always been consistent but his batting average has been pretty much all over the place I was surprised when he hit you know over 300 in 2016 and then when he approached it last year I was still uh, still pretty surprised but I think this is just going to be a career year I don't really see any huge adjustments you know the 20 home runs maybe that's a little bit of a product of the the new baseballs you know the juice balls as they're saying um hard contact was up a little bit but i just you know I, I'm, I'm not buying in it too much there's not really any huge wholesale changes here and so i'm not expecting another 2020 season from him at all so i'm just gonna probably fade him and nab somebody that's going a little bit later in drafts let's talk about a couple guys that are going one's going 82nd overall basically and xander bogart he was hurt quite a bit early on last year, but when he came back, he came back playing well. And he even said in an interview recently, he did the team wrong and he maybe should have sat out longer to be healthier because he played banged up pretty much all year. 
a couple years ago, we saw how good he can be. Are you buying back into a bounce back with him? Because what he can be is much better than the 82nd overall pick. That's that is true. Um, but it's it's probably just a little bit too much risk for me. I do think that there is a good possibility that he'll bounce back. Uh, but as a guy who's what are you doing? 2016, you know, 20, 21 home runs, 13 stolen bases. It's hard to imagine the runs in RBI repeating there. Yeah. You know, he's he should score a lot of runs and probably hit closer to 300 if uh, if he is back to being full health. But I think it, at this ADP, you know, I uh, I'm just not totally bought in. I don't think the power is really elite. The speed isn't really elite. Um, you're kind of banking on the runs in RBI there and, and in a bounce back. Cause if he is, if he is what he was when he uh, came back, then it's, it's going to be pretty ugly. Um, so I, I think that's another guy that I'm just going to fade. I really like the um, sort of the depth at the middle infield position this year. So I think a lot of these guys, I'm just, you know, skipping by and I'm going to kind of cheap out this year. No, I don't blame you. In the second base, we talked about a couple like last week on an episode, and we'll get to some later round guys coming up. But it is really, really deep. Like a second base, give me Jed Lowry, like with my last pick in most drafts, and I'll be, I'll find, I'm fine with that. Uh, Ian Kinsler's cruising up the list. But at second base, talking about a guy at shortstop that's started out the year, I think around 280 p. He's up to 108 now. I was all over him then, and I still like him a lot now. But he's starting to get a little too rich for my blood, especially after you. Just mentioned the you know waiting game, but he hit 287 with 25 homers, 87 runs scored last year. I'm talking Didi Gregorius. They might even have him sandwiched in between you know Judge and Stanton and Sanchez somewhere in there this year, which I think elevates things. Do you have any uh, like for Didi this year? Or are you just too rich for your blood? Nope, uh, too rich. <laughs> I yeah. just can't get into Didi Gregorius, man. I love them around like 200, but now it's getting a little crazy. Yeah, now you're getting into the Yankees hype, and I just think that you can, you know, maybe, like you said, it, obviously it's going to be an elite lineup, so you want part of that. And I'm all in on getting, you know, the judges of the world and the Gary Sanchez and all that stuff. And, yeah, you got to pay for them, but I think that they'll perform just fine. Uh, but Gregorius is a different level of player, a much lower level of player. And, uh, yeah, like you said, right around a little after a pick 100 there, that's just um, – you know, he's he's just to me. He, I I can't buy into the power that much. Okay, if you hit 20 home runs in this day and age, good for you. But it's that's not really that great. And I'm just gonna take my chances with somebody at a much much cheaper price point. I mean, you can wait over 100 picks for guys that I like just yep. as well as Didi Gregorius, if not even a little bit more, because of speed. Yep, that's very true. Let's drop into you know 11 through 20 off the board, anywhere from 190. To 258. Yep. Uh, Orlando Arcia, Tim Anderson, Zach Kozar, Anderson Simmons, Libra Torres, who's not even guaranteed a starting job to start the season, Tim Beckham, Marcus Simeon, Ahmed Rosario, Addison Russell, and Jorge Polanco. Orlando Arcia, going 190 overall. You know, he was a big time prospect for the, the Brew Crew. Had a decent season with 15 homers, 14 steals, hit 277, which does catch my eye. But, you know, batting eighth in a lineup never really makes me excited on a fantasy player. Do you have any desire in Arcia? He is going 190. He does have that steals upside. What are you looking at with Arcia? Yeah, I uh, I think you you hit on one of the most important parts, and that's the fact that I don't think he's going to be hitting very high in that lineup, so that's going to depress the runs in RBI a little bit. I could see a, a repeat, if not a slight improvement, on his numbers from last year, You know, somewhere around 15-15. Maybe he hits for a little bit more power. Uh, I don't know if he's going to steal a ton more. Maybe the bat- batting average can go up a little bit. Um, yeah. I, I do like Arcia, and the lineup is going to be much improved this year. So, 
you know, there is that counter argument to the runs in RBI. But, uh, you know, there's guys, again, there's so many guys later yeah. on that are going just so cheap that I, out of all the sort of sleeperish picks, I think that or- Orlando RC is one of the more expensive sleeperish picks. And so I'm probably just going to wait and, you know, pass on him too. I like it. I like it. Let's go pick two frugal this year. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Your wife will love you. Um, <laughs> go and pick 210 to pick 224. There's three guys in there. White Sox, Tim Anderson. You got the new Angels, Zach Kozar. And then you got Andleton Simmons also on the Angels, who had a tremendous year last year for Andleton Simmons standards. Many thought he could do this. He's never done it. But 14 homers, a very nice 69 RBIs, 19 stolen bases, hit 278. Not sure where he's going to be in the lineup, but out of those three, where do you stand? Oh, I think uh, out of these guys, I'm probably most apt to go. Oh boy, Cozart. I'm really, I'm not digging the the move for him as far as you know, in the power. There wasn't a lot. I don't, I don't know if I necessarily believe in the changes that he made. It doesn't really come through in the stats. I know he he sort of adjusted a little bit. Um, but I'm just not crazy about the move to Anaheim. So I think it's between Tim Anderson and Andrelton Simmons. Uh I, I guess I'll just wait for Simmons. <laughs> Again, yeah. it's just the waiting game, man. Like that's sort of the tiebreaker. I could just keep waiting and waiting. These guys just keep coming, and I, I don't see any reason to pay up. You know, it's only it was a 15, 16 picks, but you know, if I have to wait around and get probably similar production with Andros and Simmons, I got no problem waiting. And this is a guy you don't have to take, but I just want your opinion. Tim Beckham hit 22 homers last year out of nowhere once he got traded from Tampa Bay to Baltimore. Is this like going to be the new Tim Beckham we get to see, or is that just ridiculously out of nowhere? Yeah, he's, again, never been a guy that I have really bought into. Yeah. I just can't handle guys with such play, horrible play discipline like that when you strike out so much and walk so little. Uh, it doesn't really matter what else you do. There's so few guys that can make that work over the course of a full season. Uh, you know, And that brings to light another guy that we skipped over, actually, Paul DeJong, at uh, 150 overall. Uh, you know, he's got one of those profiles too. Just strikes out a lot, doesn't walk. I can't get into those guys, man. If, if they yeah. can somehow make that work and hit for a little bit of average with some power, you know, then uh, then power to you. But I'm not yeah. going to own you. Yeah, I, I Paul De Jong was was a darling last year, which is a darling I won't draft this year. And same like the guy in front of him, we skipped at pick 117, Trevor Story. People are calling bounce back. If he bounces back, more power to you. I'm not drafting him right there. This guy just strikes out like crazy doesn't even hit for a ton of power last year because he's not putting the ball in play. But um, it's really yeah. weird having shortstop conversations like that because we never used to see those things. Uh, let's talk about the last two guys here in this top 20. Uh, going at about 253 and 258, you got Addison Russell and Jorge Polanco. Addison Russell, many thought would be the guy. He still might not be the everyday guy, though, because you got Javi Baez and Ben Zobris roaming the infield, kind of rotating around. Um, Steamer has him hitting 252, 18 homers this year. And then our, your guy, Jorge Polanco, which we I know you like, is this is Polanco – do you have Polanco over Russell, and is Polanco the first shortstop you're really looking at later? Yeah, now we're getting into the meat and potatoes, baby. <laughs> this, is, this is where I'm drafting this year. I am going cheap, Happy cheap, times. cheap. Yeah, exactly. I'm just waiting. And the great thing is if you're in a 10- or 12-team league, you're just – like these can be the last guys that you draft. You can just – It's crazy. Yeah, you could just load up everywhere else, get all the aces you want, and draft closers early, which is just a luxury as far as I'm concerned because I'm always the guy that just drafts cheap closers and just churns and burns throughout the season. You can come in and save so easily if you're rostering your handcuffs properly. Um, so you can, you can just wait, wait, wait. If I'm not getting any of the elite guys, 
because there are obviously some very, very nice shortstops in Lindor and Turner that we talked about earlier. But otherwise, I'm waiting until right about this area here. And the price on Edison Russell now, finally, is it's so low that there's only upside from here. The one thing he doesn't give you a ton of is speed. Uh, but still, I'm just as good. Like, if you ask me Addison Russell at his price point or Didi Gregorius, I'll wait for Addison Russell every day of the week. And then uh, Jorge Polanco, I like him even better just because you're getting the speed with him too. And uh, steals are so hard to come by uh, in this day and age that uh, I'm definitely, if I had to choose between him and Russell, I'm going with Polanco all the way. But yeah, this is where I'm really starting to get interested in middle infield this year. I love it. Yeah, there's a lot to definitely like there. Uh, let's go 21 through 30. We're not going to go much past this unless we can choose some names. But Christian Owens, Brandon Crawford, Zerbo Cabrera, Cattell Marte, Jose Reyes, Dansby Swanson, J.P. Crawford, Freddie Galvis, Troy Tulowitzki, and Franklin Barreto. Uh, this is a very, very interesting group of players, as you'd expect this lately. You had Chris Owens, big multi-position eligibility, kind of came out of nowhere. I don't know if you can trust it. You got B-Craw coming off a bad year. Drew Cabrera might not play that much. They're actually trying to find people to play positions for him. I want to ask you right now, Cattell Marte, this is a guy I absolutely love. He was on the cover of my shortstop rankings. You get him at 323. If he is the everyday guy there in Arizona, they were hitting him towards the top of the order late last year, and he flourished there. Steamer has him projected at 289, eight homers, 10 steals. I think he can go way more than that. Do you like Cattell Marte at all, or am I just looking blindly into this? Ding, ding, ding. This is, this okay. is the dude right here. I just I'm wrote glad. him up on Fantrax, actually. So <laughs> I, I love everything yes. about him. I, I drafted him in Dynasty like four years ago, and it's finally coming to me. <laughs> <laughs> I know. See, and I wrote about that, too. Like, I've never – somehow I never got sucked in on Kendall Marte uh, before this year because um, I – it's just been – Middle infielder after middle infielder that comes to the Mariners organization. Like Brad Miller, he's still my homeboy, even though he sucks. Um, who else? Oh, uh, Chris Taylor, finally. Like, he was awesome years after I gave up on him. Um, so thanks a lot for nothing, Chris Taylor. But, uh, to, you know, Kettle Marte is just another one of those guys who came up, and somehow I missed the hype train on him. But I am all in now, man. When he came up in the second half, he was like a new player. They adjusted his swing in the minor leagues when uh, the Diamondbacks acquired him, uh, and he was sitting down there in AAA, and he was making a lot more hard contact, a lot more line drives, and uh, you know hitting the ball with more authority and great plate discipline. I forget the exact number. I want to say maybe it was 10th overall in the second half as far as walk to strikeouts uh, because he had something like a 14% walk rate, 18% strikeout rate. Uh, which is just incredible. And if he can come anywhere close to repeating that, then he's going to be, I, I can't imagine that they don't put him up towards the top of the lineup because he's got speed too. He hasn't utilized it a ton this year, but yeah, I said in my article, he could go 15, 15 and you know, there's upside beyond that too. Yeah. I absolutely love, like you said, 322, 10 to 12 team drafts. He's not even getting drafted unless someone goes, okay, it's my last pick. Let's take Catal Marte. This exactly. guy could, this guy could be tremendous for you. Um, let's talk about two guys going at 350 and 356. Big-time prospects. Going to get a lot of run this year. Kind of disappointing in their run last year. Dansby Swanson of Atlanta. J.P. Crawford of Philadelphia. Do we have any reason to like these guys? Because I know the talent's there, but I'm not sure if they find it or are they going to find it this year, do you think? And now we're getting a little bit past where I want to be drafting from because <laughs> I don't really, I don't know if I have a ton of confidence in either Crawford or Swanson. Uh, both of these guys have some element of power and speed, I guess, in combination, but I'm not necessarily expecting a lot from either one. 
uh, man, Swanson's debut was just so bad that it's, it's put a bad taste in everybody's mouth, but uh, he should be getting at bats all season long. And so there's that, you know, for your deep leagues. Crawford, man, we were kind of going back and forth on Twitter. I'm not exactly sure what his playing time is going to be. I don't know what the, what the Phillies are doing. They're kind of playing around with some ideas this spring. So we'll see how that all shakes out. But he's more of an on-base guy than anything, so I'm not really expecting a ton of power or speed from Crawford. So uh, if it gets down to this point, um, I might just wait until I have to. I mean, if I have to draft one of these two guys, I guess I'll go with Swanson. Um, but otherwise, I'm probably looking at stashing somebody who might come up and actually make an impact. Okay, at 367, a name that I was intrigued by before the Eric Hosmer signing. Hosmer makes me even more intrigued by it. He um, actually played really well that last year. I know he only had 255, but he did hit 12 home runs and had 14 stolen bases. He's an older gentleman, but does Freddie Galvis at that pick intrigue you at all? Uh, yes. Yes, he does. Yeah. To a to very mild to the extent of you know a middle infielder that you're drafting in the mid 300s can excite you. Uh, yeah. If you we're talking upside, you know it's we're, this is not Kettle Marte, right? We kind of know what yeah. Freddie Galvis is, but you know if if you're looking to fill a hole in a deep league, then you know at this point there, there's your ticket. It, you could do worse. Okay, two two more long shots here, and this could be just as simple as yes or no. Uh, we we've been playing fantasy baseball for a long time, Nate. Troy Tulowitzki is only 368 overall. And I know he's already hurt in spring. They haven't even played games yet. Yeah. But, like, we know what Tulo can do when he does play, and that's a big win he plays. Just even yes or no is going to be this simple. Do you have any desire to draft Tulowitzki this year that late in a draft? I would rather have Freddie Galvis than Troy Tulowitzki. That is a sentence <laughs> I never thought I would say. Yeah, that's what, they're right next to each other. It's pretty crazy. Uh, last guy I'm going to ask you about is one of your Minnesota Twins. He's going to the 31st shortstop off the board, 428. He had a really kind of up-and-down season, but from the recollections I have, it ended very, very well. Eduardo Escobar, what's the story on him coming into 2018? Uh, yeah, they're going to sort of move him around, I guess. Uh, sort of a utility role is funny because if you look at roster resource, they have him penciled in as their DH. I yeah, think I would rather. <laughs> yeah, I know it's not your prototypical. <laughs> I would rather just have them, you know, give one last shot, one last throw with uh, Kenny's Vargas, just to see if he can maybe make some strides this year because he's more of the you know big fat guy that you don't want playing the field. But Escobar should at least get some at bats. You know, you're looking at probably AL only leagues. Hopefully with him. Um, you know, just because, well, he'll fly over, fall over the place too. So, you know, get some multi position eligibility. That'll help his value a little bit too. But honestly, I'm not expecting a ton out of Escobar this year. I don't think that he really turned any kind of corner last year. All right. So let's do a quick, quick recap here. You're big on the sleepers this year. Cattell Marte is one of them. Give me like your two or three sleepers you're looking at a shortstop. Oh, yes, everybody loves a sleeper. But yeah, sort of in that Kittel Marte range, even a little bit higher. You know, um, Jorge Polanco, we already talked about. He's one of them. And then Marcus Semyon, I was big on him last year, too. And then he ended up missing like half the freaking season. I think he broke a finger or something. I can never remember injuries once they're passed. But I, I see no reason that he can't. He can push 2020 as far as I'm concerned. He's going to walk a lot, too. So I think that, you know, as, as bad as that A's team is, that he could hit first or second in that lineup for a good chunk of the season. So, you know, maybe more reasonably 
25 home runs, 10 steals, something like that. But he could score a lot of runs if he does hit at the top of that order. And so I think he's going to be a huge bargain where he's going at drafts. Yeah, Simeon, like most Oakland A's, seem to get really, really undervalued for what they can produce for you. Like you said, Simeon's power-speed combo. And on your injury note, I, I forget most injuries unless they're really bad, like Caleb Joseph with a ruptured testicle. Those are horrible <laughs> injuries. You, can't, you just can't erase those from your mind. Yeah, you don't um, want to get pictures of that member. No, not that member at all. Like all one and a half of it. Um, any prospects you're looking at that could impact this year? Because Brendan Rodgers, everyone knows about, he's probably not going to come up this year. Carter Keyboom, not likely. Any, uh, maybe even Urias from San Diego, not likely this year. What are you looking at the shortstop position, if anything? Oh, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Urias at some point. Um, but I. There's not anybody that is I'm looking to set the world on fire to come up for you know, to come up in the shortstop position this year. Glaber Torres is obviously the number one, you know, sort of stash. I'm not exactly sure when he's going to come up. Maybe it's around May sometime, depending on how his season starts at AAA, but it might be later than that too. And so again, you're paying that Yankees tax that we were talking about. Um, you know, with like Didi Gregorius too. I think Torres is going way too high. Um, and, and then there's the sort of the opposite effect on that like we were talking about with the A's and the bad teams they get overlooked a lot and so I think that's why Semyon is going so late but yeah so there's Torres who I'm not going to own this year at all maybe he you know you're kind of hoping that when he comes up like from then on he can go 15 15 260 which is what you're going to get from somebody like Jorge Polanco anyway so uh, I would rather just wait for Polanco uh, mid-season maybe we see Jorge Mateo out there in Oakland uh, you know another A that we could see come up and I'm more interested in him than Franklin Barreto just because Mateo has elite speed, like 80 grade speed. And so he could just steal you a ton of bases in the second half. So if you're looking to stash somebody, then I would say Jorge Mateo. Now things might go off the rails in the minor leagues. He's had a tendency to act up. Uh, he got a team induced suspension back when he was with the Yankees because of insubordination. <laughs> he wanted to get promoted and they wouldn't. And so they suspended him. So a little bit of a question mark as far as the makeup with Jorge Mateo, but uh, as far as deep league stashes, I would be looking at him as far as speed. And then Willie Adamas yeah. in uh, in Tampa, man, he should be up soon because he spent all of last year in AAA. But with what the Rays are doing at this point, I would not be surprised if he just gets screwed this year and doesn't see much time at all. Like if he's a September call up, you know, they they've got a wide open rotation right now and still no plans for Brent Honeywell to start in the rotation this year. So like the Rays are going just total cheapo mode this year. So yeah, I wouldn't disgusting. expect Willie Adamas up in the first half at all. Yeah. Brent Honeywell should be starting. Willie Adamas should have been up last year. You go and trade for Echeverria. Then now you cut C Dick and the re- reason is $5 million. Well, Echeverria is on $6 million. Why don't you get rid of him and play Willie Adamas? That just makes sense to me, but I don't know how to tank properly. Apparently. Yeah. God. Yeah. Well, right. but nobody does because everybody's just shaking their heads at what Tampa's doing. Yeah. My God. Unbelievable. But my friend Nathan Dawkins, always a pleasure. Uh, it was good stuff, man. Acquisitions, twins, shortstop, tons of fun. Oh, I love it. Great way to spend a, a casual Sunday at home. Anytime, my man. I appreciate it. And maybe next time we want to gain Game of Thrones for another year and a half. Here. Oh, to remind me. Um, but maybe maybe we'll have something else we can talk about. Like, you know, I just saw Black Panther. Maybe we can go binge out on a movie or a TV show or something to get weird. But uh, there you go. I will. Well, I am looking forward to Westworld at least. I loved the first season of Westworld, though. So. Yeah, uh, Matt Modica had the same sentiments a couple weeks ago. So maybe we'll have a Westworld uh, podcast and talk about things. That'd be a lot of fun. 
But uh, everyone, oh, yeah. check him out on Twitter at Nathan Dawkin. This podcast, the Nasty Cast. If for some reason you're listening to my baseball coverage and not the Nasty Cast, well, you're doing things backwards. Start there, come here because that stuff is priceless. Unless you don't like Frazier. No, I'm just kidding. I won't go there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's also keeps bringing this up. <laughs> oh God! If I could slap him. <laughs> and then the fan tracks dynasty podcast is great stuff he writes for fan tracks he's gonna be writing for Razball this year so check out all his work it's great great work but again nate thanks for joining me man oh thanks a lot man anytime this was uh bitch with Bubba, episode 73 catch you guys later